Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom What if I told you that there was an underground, global community of badass women all swapping wisdom, witnessing and supporting each other in total reverence, and birthing their babes entirely outside of the medical system? What if I told you that there was a vetted, private, exclusive space where you could access my personal list of radical birth keepers? And what if I told you that it's off Facebook, it's troll-free, and where most of the women on this podcast are hanging out. If you're in alignment with what we talk about here on the podcast, it's a pretty sure bet that our private community wants you in it. We have 11 monthly circles and workshops virtually, and also have a member directory so that you can find women in your local community too. And this isn't just for mothers. This is for the wild-hearted, radical woman who is interested in consciousness raising, questioning the systems that harm us, living sovereign, holistic lifestyles, and wants to create community to guide our way back to healed sisterhood. Go to freebirthsociety.com and apply today. I'll see you in there. Today on the show, I'm talking with my friend Sylvie. Sylvie's first birth with medical midwives left her unpacking the dynamic for months and questioning her capacity as a mother. After she found the Free Birth Society community and committed to her own healing, Sylvie joyfully welcomed in a wild pregnancy and birth with her second baby. In this episode, we discuss physiological placental birth, intuition, and how birth has the capacity to leave us feeling deeply renewed and reborn. All right. Welcome, my friend. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's fun to be doing this after having just gotten the opportunity to meet and to hug in real life and yeah, to get to meet your free birth baby. And it's just really like fun timing that we did this right after. Agreed. So yeah, take us to the beginning. This was obviously your second birth. So you are going to tell us about your, your first child and just tell us about who you were when you first get pregnant and how you oriented the choices that you made. Um, and tell us about that first birth. All right. Uh, so my firstborn son is 
four and a half right now. And I found out, I think I admitted to myself that I was pregnant on my wedding day when I was two weeks late with my period. And I was just telling myself the story that of course it was wedding stress. And of course my cycle would be coming. Uh, and I think I put a panty liner in or like a pad to be like, I'm going to start bleeding like at the end of the wedding or at some point during my wedding. Cause like the stress will be gone. Um, that did not happen. The next day I decided to take a pregnancy test and it was positive. I didn't even tell my husband immediately. I was like so excited, but also overwhelmed and like in shock. So when we were driving away for our mini moon, because we were just going a couple hours north. Um, I told him in the car and he was like, okay, <laughs> awesome. And he was totally going to honor any decision I made. So I started off at the local birth center, which is connected to our hospital, but it was where all my friends had gone. And I just thought that was like the place to go if you didn't want to have a hospital birth. And a couple appointments in, they kept pushing on me the flu vaccine because it was the fall. And then they had told me that I didn't have proof of having chicken pox. I don't even know how they did that test, but they were telling me that as soon as I had my baby, I would need to get the chicken pox vaccine. And I realized pretty quickly that like every appointment I told them, no, thank you. And then at the next appointment, they would bring up the same exact like harassment. So my husband encouraged me he was like, why don't we just do a home birth? Like, I don't like hospitals. You don't like hospitals. We don't need to be at the birthing center next to the hospital. Your mom, my mom had done five home births, but of course the first four were all sabotaged. And you could even maybe say the fifth one was as well, even though that was the one successful home birth, but with a hospital transfer like the next day. Anyway, so I definitely had like some imprinting in me of kind of fearing home birth where it just, I wasn't sure. I was like, I, I wanted that someone else to save me. I hadn't fully understood like the responsibility, I guess. So we left, I found um, a home birth midwife who accepted my husband's work insurance, which seemed like a saving grace because financially it was just like the best of both worlds. But again, I didn't realize what that meant um, as far as like who she was actually going to be answering to and working for. So we loved having them come to our house. All of that felt so easy and great. And I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know to ask questions about um, like what, what would look like if this happened or that happened. I also wanted to be saved. I definitely found comfort in the fact that she had a lot of medical background. And now of course I'm like, no, stay very far away from me. Uh, she let me opt out of the whatever, when you drink the orange drink. So she like, yeah. So she said, you don't have to do that. You can eat a pancake breakfast instead. You can have like a cup of orange juice, some pancakes, some bacon. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. So I thought I was getting like, totally. I love it. Yeah, this is right. It's like, oh, so many choices with a home birth midwife. (laughs) Like you still have to do it. You're still going to be tested for a nonsense thing. Yeah, I love it. Completely. So, (laughs) So then I gradually throughout my pregnancy started to pay a little bit more attention to my intuition. Like the ultrasounds didn't feel good. It felt wrong and invasive. And I had to go to the hospital, of course, for them. I had the two like standard ones. And then after the fact, I like in conversation, my midwife was like, yeah, you didn't have to do those. Of course you could have opted out, but it, 
didn't, you know, I didn't know that. So, so then, uh, fast forward to a week before my estimated due date, my son was born on his estimated due date. So just a week prior to him being born, she was, I think she was like feeling around looking for his position and she was being really like, we, like her, her demeanor changed. And I was like, what's wrong? Like, what is going on? And, uh, at this point I had asked them not ever to use the Doppler on me and just to use the fetoscope. And she was saying like, I can't find his heartbeat and I can't find where he is. I need you to go and see this ultrasound tech that I work with. She's oh my God. yeah. So, and like, she was like, you need to get an appointment with her immediately. And I, she sent me into a state of complete fear and shock. And because of the placement of the placenta, I think is an anterior when it's on the outside, I really had felt very few mm-hmm. kicks for my babe, which if I, th- I think if I had just done some more tuning in, I would have felt him, but it was like, that was a big block for me. So I drove myself a couple of days later in a torrential rainstorm an hour and a half away to get this ultrasound. And, and I was convincing myself as like to all the reasons as to why I needed to do it, even though my body knew like, no, this is not wrong. The woman was almost laughing as she did it. And she was like, your baby is head down and just in position and ready to come out. I can't believe you're here. Like, you know, kind of, and I was like, wow, I can't believe my midwife sent me here. And the ultrasound tech is like laughing at the fact that the midwife, you know, couldn't figure this out on her own. And then as I'm leaving, she hands me a long printout of 3D imaging of my child. So she had something I had never wanted. Like I never wanted those freaky 3D imaging pictures. And it was like my little guy's face. And I just burst into tears and I drove crying in the torrential rain all the way back. And I was really angry. Like I I was really angry at myself. I was angry at my midwife, but I was really just angry at myself for like realizing I hadn't been listening to my intuition. Um, And then went into labor probably around 5.30 a.m. I noticed something like sensation wise. Like the next day? No, no. Like, so like a couple days later. Right. A week later. Yeah. It was probably like three days later. Yeah. And Um, you didn't communicate any of this to the midwife. You just like felt angry and moved on with your life. Well, she definitely followed up if I remember correctly. And I told her, I was just probably like one sentence, like baby's fine. His head is down. Like F you. (laughs) Uh, And so that morning I wrote her an email and I said, I think, I think I might be in labor. I'm not sure, but I just really didn't want to communicate with her. And two hours later, I think around like 7.30, I don't remember if she called me or I called her, but it was like, she was three hours away. So she was like, well, we're coming to you because it sounds like you might be in labor. And I was just kind of like, ugh, kind of bummed. (laughs) Why were you with a midwife three hours away? Oh, that's, she lived in New Hampshire three hours away. And you're in mass? Yeah. Or, and, and it was, it was this whole thing of like, I hired her pretty late in my pregnancy, like maybe around 30 weeks was when I left the birth center, 26 weeks. I don't actually remember because I would have done one ultrasound with the birth center, but it was, I think it was just this thing of she accepted Blue Cross Blue Shield of California, which was my husband's work insurance. She had previously been in Santa Barbara and it was like, oh, cool. We don't need to look any further for our midwife. She accepts our insurance. Okay. So trust really, that's like a real marker of trust getting broken. It sounds like when 
she's palpating you, can't find baby, sends you in for an ultrasound. You go, kind of realize it was unnecessary. And then your labor starts a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ouch, and they even feel yeah. so icky. Totally. And I and she would always come with two assistant midwives or like one student and one coworker. And uh, I remember in that appointment, I was definitely more bubbly in the one where she couldn't find babe, like his position. And they they kind of looked at each other and laughed like, oh, she's getting close. But it was in such a condescending, Ooh. weird way of like, oh, you know, like, so there were a couple of things, but I was always, I just kind of rolled with it thinking, this is what's best. This is my, this is my option. And this is like the best option. It's better than the hospital, right? Exactly. Yeah. My, our biggest fear, like going to the hospital. Um, so she came probably whatever, like got here on 1130-ish. And she looked at me and she was like, where's your husband? And I was like, he's at work. Like it just wasn't, oh, I didn't need my husband yet. You know, I was like, he's at work. And she was like, you should really call him and he should come home. And then she was like, and where's your doula? And I was like, well, I haven't called her yet. Like, again, didn't feel like a big deal to me. Um, so I was going to set up my birth space in my bedroom, which is my sanctuary and my safe place. And then when they were all in here, I quickly realized like, uh, now I recognize what a defense, like and wall I had up, but I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to set up the birth pool in here. Let's do it downstairs because I just didn't want them in my personal space. And we set it up downstairs. My husband came home, my doula arrived. So this was around 1 PM. And I asked for permission to take a shower. I didn't know, like, I literally, I was like, can I take a shower? And she did say, you can do anything you want. So I appreciate that she said one thing, right? Right. So I took a a long shower alone, which just definitely helped. And I got out and I was in my room alone. And then around one, one thirty, quarter of two, like things were picking up and our son was born at 545. So it was a short timeframe. So during my labor, I was in the pool. That felt good. I was, I loved my doula. She was great. Uh, she was a midwife from Spain, but she wouldn't be my midwife here because licensing, I'm like, ah, but she was my doula. Maybe around like, I don't know what time, but closer to the time our son was born, my midwife looked at me and told me I had to get out of the pool. And I said, why? And she said, there's blood. And I looked at the pool and I saw like what I think would be considered like the smallest amount of blood. Um, and if you think about blood and water anyway, it's kind of a hard thing to measure. Well, it's impossible to measure. And of course there's blood with a woman dilating that quickly. Okay. All right. So then turned and looked at my husband and said, get your bags ready. I'm calling 911. Yeah. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. Because you helped me unpack it in some sessions, some birth sessions. So I was, I don't, I can imagine I went into like fight or flight because the next thing I know I'm on all fours. I feel like my child is crowning probably, you know, I was ready to birth my son and they hooked me up to oxygen and she has her student midwife across from me also on all fours teaching me how to like not hyperventilate I guess I have no idea really right like but somehow I'm hooked up to like an oxygen tank with a fucking mask on my mouth and 
it was just, it was really not <laughs> at all where we saw it going. And my husband went like, I mean, just was like, what? You know, like, oh my God, we were about to have our baby Earthside, like literally. Um, so I'm holding, I'm doing everything in my power to not birth my son. But my intuition was like, birth your baby, birth your baby. Like he wants to come out. And I was holding him in. And she's telling me to hold him in for my safety and for my son's safety. And then probably, yeah. So like maybe nine minutes. I don't know how long it took eight, nine, 10 minutes for the EMTs to arrive. They walked in and literally I'm so like grateful for whatever powers like angels or whomever was looking out for me because they looked at me and they said, they got the like the 411 from her, like whatever her belief was. And they looked at me and they said, you can birth your baby. And they exited my house. They went out, they like gave me my space, which I really appreciate. And I birthed my son, like, like, just like sigh of relief, had my baby. And and of course they immediately start doing the APGAR score. They come back. The EMTs did not, they were so respectful. I mean, it was literally, they did not even, they had no interest in even looking at me or my baby. Once my husband and like, or like the assistant midwife, whomever it was, went and told them that I was fine and the babe was fine, they left. I mean, it was literally such a blessing because I knew if we had been transported to the hospital, it would have been in two separate ambulances and it would have been just the worst, stupidest, all of it. So they did the APGAR score. Of course, she's like, oh, you know, the first round was low and then the second round was fine. And then it was just the weirdest next couple hours because I never knew that New Hampshire had a law about the placenta. And she's like, 30 minutes later, she's like, you know, if you don't birth your placenta in the next 30 minutes, um, I have to transfer you to the hospital because in New Hampshire, we follow a law that's you have an hour to birth the placenta. Wait, but you're in Massachusetts. But she follows the New Hampshire law because that's where she's working out of. And she's telling me, and I never knew to ask these questions. And she's just telling me for the first time, I had no idea that, you know, like, so I wanted to do- To be clear, it's not a law. It's a part of- the rules and regulations of licensed midwifery in New Hampshire. Very good clarification. It's not breaking a law. A right. law is, is a whole different thing. Right. Yeah. So breaking the rule that she follows. So I wanted to do delayed cord clamping, but at this point it just was like way too stressful to be walking back and forth to the bathroom, holding my baby. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's cut the cord and I'll just go spend time over the toilet. But of course, you know, like I have my doula, there's three, you know, too many people, obviously, all the things. Literally at like minute 58, my, I birthed my placenta. Nice. And it was the biggest relief, obviously. And then we went, and instead of, again, because I chose not to birth in my bedroom, I don't even know if they offered it, it doesn't really matter, but I, because I could have just asked to go upstairs to my bedroom, but we ended up just like in this living space of our home while they're like measuring the baby and weighing the baby. And I don't even know what the hell we were doing, but it was 1130 by the time I got into my bed. Wow. And that to me, like now I'm like, wow, I can't believe that instead of just like 
yeah. being with my babe and snuggling with him. Like he was being passed around. Oh, it's just all of it. Like at, like measuring a child matters even at all. Oh, yeah. Ugh, it's so painful. This is such a good example of the lie of medical midwifery, you know? And of course, like you said, you just didn't know things to ask. Mm -hmm. And you think, and by you, I mean, most women think I'm gonna hire like a wonderful woman who's gonna witness me in my power and be there when I have questions. And, and if nothing goes wrong, she'll take a back seat. And people don't even consider, because why would they? It's such a betrayal. It's like, why would you even be on the defense about that unless you know better or have lived it like you have now? But people don't even realize that scared midwives create problems and that they manufacture things to save and that we're bringing hospital consciousness, you know, pathologizing mother baby into our homes. And so there's, there's, you know, I talk about this a lot, but there's even in some ways, arguably like more betrayal there to navigate in the throes of it because it happened in your own home. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I understand, now I recognize all of her fears that she carried in. And now I know all the questions I didn't ask that I should have asked. Like, you know, it doesn't matter at this point because it was the catalyst that has allowed me to get to where I am today um, with my second birth and pregnancy. But, um, because she then did a whole thing with my placenta as well, telling me, cause I was trying to look for answers. Like, why did you do this? Why did you do this? I don't understand. And, um, she had claimed like it was decalcifying and you were like, well, of course it was starting to, because you were 40 weeks and that's normal. Right. I think that's what you said. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a dangerous amount. It was simply, I was having my baby. And then like the, the, the cord was going to snap. I mean, anyway. Uh, and then I was, again, I justified her as being great because I had about six weeks postpartum care visits with her. And then of course the sigh of relief I felt at the last six week appointment where, you know, they had done the closing of the bone ceremony and all these different things at different appointments, but I didn't realize how much I disliked her until that last appointment when I realized what a relief that she would never be coming back into my home and like around me. I just, and I, I just didn't realize it until it was actually over. So how does that leave you? Like at what, at what point do you start questioning the birth and naming to yourself that things didn't feel good? Was it immediate or, or was it over time? It was probably the first six months. I had asked her for a letter to explain exactly like order of events, why she did what she did. And she kept putting it off. She claimed, oh my gosh, I've just been so busy. I've had so many births. This has been the busiest month. And I kept just asking, I said, I really need this written down for me because I have to process it and understand why things went the way they did. And then when she finally sent the letter and our birth records, I just like, couldn't believe it because the letter didn't even line up with- right anything. And I was so grateful because at this point I had, um, I think you, I had heard you on a podcast and I was like, okay, like this is a whole new world. And I had done, um, Kim and Ami's sexy mama salon. And it, that helped me to recognize my 
not post like postpartum depression, whatever you want to call it. My, like, I just wasn't with it as I wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling competent as a mother. Mm. I, I was struggling, even though I have abundant love and resources of like people around me. And it just didn't make any sense. It's like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this way? I have a healthy child. I have a healthy child, (laughs) you know, like, uh, and then I realized through that work in the salon with Kim that it was because my birth was sabotaged. And then I got to do a session unpacking a session or two unpacking with you. And it was like, okay, like none of this had to happen. My power was taken from me. This woman was completely living in like her state of fear and I can do it differently when I get pregnant in the future. I want to just make sure we're wrapped on that, that whole letter thing. Oh yeah. Let's... Cause that's, I vaguely remember it. And it was just a giant heaping pile of gaslighting trash. It was. Yeah. And it took <laughs> months to even receive that giant pile of gaslighting trash. And, but that's so, I, I'm feeling a lot of pride in you that you would even ask for that because if if a midwife if an attendant could give you that like what you were after made a lot of sense like I need to see this written down what were you concerned about it's such a missed opportunity and such a poor a poorly skilled midwife you know to miss that opportunity of just talking it out you know and and it is this like whole allopathic concept that like no one's allowed to make a mistake like I'm just imagining how healing it could have been to you. It wouldn't take away what happened, but to even have had her be like, I got really scared. Mm -hmm. I thought your placenta had ruptured and this happened to me with a family last month and I got really scared and I knee jerk figured better safe than sorry and called, called them because I made up the story that you might be in serious trouble. And I see now that I overreacted and I will be forever sorry to you. Like what an integrity based, you know, possibility that I've never heard of a midwife ever doing before, but you know, like, yeah, it's just so sad. This like women on women violation nonsense, all in the name of medwifery is just such a, it's so fucking unsisterly. Mm-hmm. And her student midwife was around our age and she had a really hard, I could, I picked up on the relationship and it was challenging and I wish I could get in touch, you know, cause I imagine it, she witnessed a lot of painful sabotaged situations like that. Cause her light, like her, like light and enthusiasm for the job. I watched it like be diminished in my couple of months of seeing them. So very sad. Yeah. The, um, she had also questioned if I misguessed, if I miscalculated my due date and I, my husband and I knew exactly when we conceived because we made it very clear that we were playing Russian roulette and we were totally okay with getting pregnant, but I knew exactly when we conceived and I knew my estimated due date, you know, and yeah, so she definitely had, she had some baggage. A woman in my community was using her as well. And when she saw me at the health food store, she was like, how was it? And I, instead of being honest, I said she was great. And I had the opportunity to be honest and say, well, it was kind of fucked up actually, blank, blank, blank happened. And then four months later in August, when she went into labor after three days of being in labor in her home, 
um, she transferred her to the hospital. And when she asked where the midwife was, the other, like the assistant midwife said, oh, she had to leave for another birth and she left her in the hospital to go attend another mom. Yeah, that's medical midwifery. Yep, that's, that's medical midwifery. <laughs> oh, okay. So you really start questioning it. Yeah, you find us, you start to, you know, you obviously know you're being gaslit about the letter and all of that. And so you're starting to put these pieces together. And then what is the time frame? Your older son is like two-ish when you get- No, he's four. Oh, when I got pregnant. Yeah. Uh, so he turned four two weeks before our son was born. So whatever that math is. Okay. So just so, past three. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Okay. So that's a long, that's a good, nice chunk of time, like three years. That's a lot of time to process and plan for a new vision. So at what point into your postpartum, are you aligning with, like you said, knowing that, that you can do it differently? What does that kind of journey look like for you? And then just bring us into that pregnancy. So I did the sexy mama salon with Kim and Ami when I was six months postpartum. And in that she features a lot of beautiful free birth stories. Uh, like Hannah Grace's story is like right on there. And I was really, I was like, nope, that's not for me right now. But it was like, I just couldn't go there. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. But then when you did the podcast interview with her, I have no idea when that was. I heard your voice. And then I listened also to the podcast that she did with Yolanda. And I was like, okay, this is cool. There's like an entire network of wise women who lift each other up and support people like each other and believe in birth. That sounds rad. Like I could use that in my life. Mm -hmm. And I went to your website and I joined the membership. Yeah. So two years ago. And that was amazing because it was like the, just getting to see and witness women's stories and really getting into the podcast and other resources that trust birth. And there's no, like, no one can save me. And I think I had asked in my um, interview with you, like for the membership, like I was like, my biggest fear is my child dying. And you're like, of course, like that's everyone, you know, that's I I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was so helpful because it was like, just acknowledging that I know death can happen. Like that's unavoidable in life. And I just needed to like reorient to accept, like take, be okay with my decisions. So then I would say, Gradually, I realized like, all right, next time for our next baby, like I will not be doing this with a traditional midwife who, or I should say licensed midwife who fears birth and how nice to not have any like hands-on just of any of that test stuff. Right. And and there's kind of a second layer to what you're naming around. It's not just the fear of death. It's also, and, and I think it's harder for women to admit this, but behind closed doors, women certainly will to me, and I get it. It's also what happens when I step out of the system and something goes wrong, what happens to me? Like what do, when I take full responsibility for my life and step out, and then what if, baby dies, something terrible happens, or I still need the C-section. 
and I've made this stance and I've told everybody that I believe in birth and what if, right? And it's of course a worst case scenario, but it's not, it's not something that never happens. Of course, not all babies make it through the portal in any, in any scenario, in any setting. Um, and of course, very, 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 very rarely, but occasionally, um, you know, women birthing outside the system do shift and wind up getting C-sections you know, for better or worse, needed or not, whatever. So anyway, I think there's another layer that is less spoken about, right? Like it doesn't mitigate death, but birthing inside the system will mitigate you getting blamed. Right. And there, I think we're so afraid of that, understandably, that it feels so scary to sit with, um, the what ifs with that layer as well. That's a little bit, I think, harder to articulate. And there, there's, there's in some ways more, arguably there's more social risk in birthing outside the system than there is in like danger risk. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I, the more I sat with it, I realized, of course, I like home is where I'd want to be. My mom died when I was 17 and she died at home and we had a home wake and a home funeral and I mean she was cremated but she was never embalmed there was never beautiful no one was involved professionally except for the cremation and um when I think about how beautiful that was and to be able to have her be fully like respected and loved in that way that of course like if anything were if that were ever to be my journey with a babe like that I would want to be in the the comfort and love of my at own any home. stage of life at any stage totally yeah. yeah at any stage so when we decided to conceive our second our second babe I uh it was like COVID crazy world I mean it was just so easy like I was already going to do a wild pregnancy I already had fully fallen in love with the whole idea of how good that would feel and just like was so looking forward to fine-tuning my intuition uh because I know by sitting alone with myself like that's how I'm going to strengthen my intuition that I've silenced for the majority of my life Mm. and it was so wonderful to just I did take a pregnancy test and I do regret that because I knew I was pregnant. I knew I was pregnant, but my two best friends, they were insistent. They were like, you should take a pregnancy test. And I was like, why? And now of course I'm like, okay, it's on me. It's all good. Like next time I don't have to, but they they had dropped off like five pregnancy tests in my mailbox. I mean, it was hilarious. fun. Yeah, totally. It was a little giddy and excitement. Totally. (laughs) But, but it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, of course, like I knew I was pregnant, but then, yeah, I can see it as just like, awesome. I was right. I was Mm -hmm. pregnant. I am pregnant. And I just coasted through in absolute comfort and bliss, uh, being pregnant. Like I, I just loved it. It was so fun to just have it all to myself. Mm-hmm. and to of course share it yes with my son and my husband but like really it's so, it's so fun to not be pathologized <laughs> yes oh so nice and the placenta was in a different placement so really uh wonderful like strong movement early on and that was really fun to experience 
and just I loved like sitting in silence or laying down and just being with my babe and feeling him I went through different um thoughts of like being supported by a wise radical woman you know like like I was like do I want this I just know that my personality as I work on my intuition and my strength of like standing on my own two feet and just like being who I am and being confident and comfortable with that um I I knew that like having the wrong energy or just like not like it could alter things not the wrong energy like it could be someone that I love dearly but just I don't know yeah so so I would think around um 30 weeks I'm not honestly sure at what point I did hire a one of your RBK graduates and uh she knew that my I was doing it more for the sanity like my husband supported my has like, he supports my decisions, but he definitely did not process the first birth the way I did. So he was still holding on to like quite a bit of like the fight or flight energy. And I really needed like a grounding force here for him more than anything, like just so that he could just be like, okay, well, they're here. Totally. Logistics too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. And for our four-year-old, like so nice to have a, a buddy in the house. So I, we had a busy two weeks. We were like a very busy household with Aries and Taurus birthdays. So my son turned four on April 20th. My husband's birthday, his 45th birthday was on May 5th. And we kept wondering, we we're like, is this baby going to be born like on, you know, so right at the strike of midnight, like right after my husband's birthday on May 6th, I woke up with a little something and I was like, okay, I think that could be something. I went back to bed and around 1245, I woke up and I was like, okay, that's definitely something. And I got up and I uh, texted the RBK and she said, she said something really great. Like as things intensify, just remember to to the ground down or I don't remember exactly what the sentence was, but it was so helpful just to know, like, I'm totally connected to mother earth and like, I'm, this is great. It's going to be awesome. I didn't wake my, my husband up because I was just so excited to kind of dance through dance, like dance through this part. And, uh, and I had been hoping it would be a night labor just so I could really be in like the silence and darkness. And So it was really just beautiful. I was kind of like moving my, my hips and like swaying. And then as things intensified, I would just lean in a little bit to this love seat that I have in our bedroom. And eventually I think my husband woke up because I might've gotten louder. I don't know. And, uh, he lit a candle and I very quickly told him to blow it out because it was as if someone had like turned a strobe light on. (laughs) It was crazy. And the candle was on the other side of our bedroom. It wasn't even like right near me, but it was the whole room was illuminated. My senses were like, Oh, and then, um, he was putting counter pressure on my back. And I, I said something like, Holy heavens. I don't remember what I said exactly, but something about baby's head. And it was really cool because I really wanted to experience F, um, fetal, it's fetal ejection reflex. Is that right? F-E-R. And uh, so I just knew like my body would just take care of everything as exactly as it would, you know, and 
And all of a sudden I was kind of like standing on the side of the love seat, kind of bend like bending into like a mid squat. And I just caught my baby like <gasps> with my two hands and there he was. And he was, Whoa, born, yeah, he was born at three 30. We think three 30, three ish. Like we didn't check the clock. Um, but it was just my husband and I, and, uh, it was so perfect because it was just everything I wanted. And it was so, it was just really beautiful. Like I, I'm like, I want to do that again. You know, <laughs> it was so awesome. Uh, um, and I just felt really connected with my baby, you know, like as he was, as he was doing his journey, I, it was like, it was really amazing just to be in it and to be present and not have any, any distractions, which don't work well for me. And then our, um, hired RBK. She got here a couple of minutes after. And, uh, that was great because my husband was definitely like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, a little, jazzed up. <laughs> little jazzed up. Yep. And I think he wanted to just go and put some like laundry in, you know, like he needed to just like do something. And then she brought me some bone broth. And, um, the one thing I realized in like, looking back now, I hadn't fully, I had done all the work I needed to, to like trust birth, but I hadn't necessarily done all the work I needed to, to know and trust that my placenta would be born. It would be born. Like she would be born. And I definitely had something happen where I started to get anxious and, uh, and now I know for like the future, you know, that maybe I need to do a little more work around that, or maybe it's been healed because the suggestion I was given was to move in the same movement that I was in when I was like dancing kind of like through my birth. And I went into our shower, which is really dark. And I just did some of the same movements and out, out Aww. she came. So, that's so cool. Yeah. So it was like, okay. yeah, but I, and I had like gone through this whole thing of like trying to force it. Like, I don't like, I was like, I'm going to go sit on the toilet. I really want this to come out. Like I just, I had, yeah, I don't, but then we, we did a cord burning ceremony. Everything worked out beautifully in the sense that it was um, sunrise when my placenta was born and my son woke up and he came in and we did a cord burning ceremony as a family. And he, it's like really important for him as the big brother to have like little things that make him feel involved. And that was such a beautiful first piece, like while babe was earth side to be incorporated. So he held one of the beautiful candles and my husband held the other. And, uh, and that was great. And it was just really a great way to start the day. So you're just naming that, like, you didn't really need, like you felt some stress around the placenta and you're just kind of naming that next time you hope that you won't feel that same anxiety around it. Totally. I had, I am naming that because even though I had done a lot of um, reprogramming to my, like about the fact that a placenta, it can be 18 hours, it can be 12 hours, you know, like, and to trust that, I think I, something from my first birth came back yeah, and it's fine. And I just love that. Like, 
all I have to do is move my hips in the same way I did love that. when I, when I birthed my baby. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I love that. I love that. It's still like you just said, and it was fine. Like, is there really that much work to do when you still like you did the thing, you know, like you didn't, you didn't freak out. You didn't unnecessarily transfer. You didn't sabotage yourself. You worked with it you felt your stress and anxiety, you named it from where it came from and, and you birthed your placenta, right? So I would say there probably isn't all that much more you need to do, but I do wanna clarify just cause this is like a public resource to everyone that I would, I just wanna clarify around placenta lengths that we have lots of stories on this podcast of women taking a long period of time to birth their placenta, but I don't ever want that to mean to people that it is appropriate is the word I'm trying to avoid using because women can do whatever the hell they want. I'm not here to tell them what is appropriate about their lives, but um, we do want the placenta out and we don't want to wait 18 hours. And that does sometimes occur. And I do know some stories of it being, yeah, over six hours, over 10 hours, over 12 hours. I mean, recently one of our RBKs attended a birth that the placenta didn't come out for 32 hours, which is unheard of, you know, in the system, they would never allow that. But I don't want that to, to translate into that it's casual. And, you know, we have women on this podcast that have shared their stories of birthing their babies and then taking a nap. And the placenta, you know, they haven't even attempted to get the placenta out. Um, and in those cases, it all worked out, but it could carry problems with it because the cervix will begin to close. Um, anyway, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I, I, I feel responsibility to some degree around, yes, these are women's stories and women get to say, and women do, not, not you, Sylvie, but lots of women have said stuff on this podcast that I don't actually agree with about birth education and and I usually, you know, I try my best not to correct them because women get to just tell their stories. Um, and while we know that the range of normal for spontaneous placenta birth can be many, many hours, I also want to plant that seed for all of you listening that after 40 minutes, it is smart to be super aware of it and to be solely focused on getting your placenta out, not in a stressful way, not in a scary way, not in a transfer kind of way, just in a, the birth's not over, right? Cool. And like, you were mm -hmm. uncomfortable um, physically, I'm sure, right? Because when you start to get ready, it's like, oh, that feeling just like crampy and you just kind of get that. Cause that's the other piece I was wondering is part of the like anxiousness that you felt was probably just the hormones of your placenta ready to be born. Oh, Cause cool. a lot of women get that kind of like, ugh kind of feeling. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great to know. And yeah, cause it was about two hours, you know, it was right around sunrise. Mm -hmm. So hour and a half, two hours. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Mine yeah. was like two, two to three. Thanks for, thanks for saying all that and clarifying it. And I appreciate the idea that for my third, I, yeah, I can just, it's all good. I'll just trust yeah. and know. I love it. I mean, when I think of your birth and as you tell it today and your pregnancy, it just all feels so, so joyful. It just feels like you gifted yourself ease and simplicity 
And, you know, this often happens. Oh, I feel like women can go in either direction, but some women, when their first births have been sabotaged and they really know that, then when they step into wild pregnancy, they're just so ready for it to be as nature intended, you know, an integrated part of life that is full of mystery and joy and connectiveness and just so much, yeah, mysterious bliss that, that it comes with. And it's just so it's, I love hearing the joy in your story that you, you really chose it, you know, cause the other option that we also see is women choose, you know, kind of air quotes, wild pregnancy, but still pathologize the hell out of themselves. And they still try to like diagnose themselves with things and they don't enjoy it at all. And really it's cause they would just rather um, be in the system, which is also fine if that's where someone would rather be, but you really, you just like did the work to get super ready for it. And then it just sounds like you enjoyed every, every freaking chapter of it. I did. Thank you. Yes. For opening the doors for all of it. <laughs> Great. It was really the best. It was the best. I like want for everyone. Cause I think, yeah, pregnancy and birth are amazing. Well, they're certainly designed to create women who want to do it again. Right. Like for the, for the, like for the biology aspect of it, right? For us to populate our right. lineage, we are designed to want to do it again. And it's a real fracture in, in our design when there's trauma. And, you know, so many women are left being like, I, I never, never again, could I ever imagine this again? And that's a real flag that, that she was not treated well. She was not in her, um, yeah, not to say there aren't other factors about somebody's life and setup that would deter them from wanting another child, but specifically with this, I think it's a really healthy flag of being aligned with life when you enjoy your birth so much that you would want to do it again. <laughs> right? Totally. And I feel so much better. Like this overall, I mean, I have my days still, like, you know, just like some days, but overall, I feel, I feel like I was reborn. So I'm grateful. So the postpartum has felt pretty awesome. Yes, definitely. And I have, I just have, I have more energy, like then I just have a lot more energy. And that to me is like, when I was down before, you know, with my first experience, like my energy was really low. Like I just didn't feel like nothing really excited me. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. So that's nice. So thank you. He's the cutest. He's a love. Yeah. He's really, he's just really gentle and sweet. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for the snuggles. Oh, wow. <sighs> it's like the one parenting thing that everyone says that is correct, which is that it just goes by so fast. Yeah. <laughs> so painful. Days are long, years are short. So mm -hmm. definitely yeah, not accurate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a great quote. Is there anything else you want to share before we close? I don't think so. Thank you so much though, for having me and for creating the space of wise women and support and love. Mm -hmm. You're so welcome. I'm glad you're a part of it. Thank you. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. 
Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the start.